She sells seashells by the she seller. <laughs> I did it wrong. Shit. Okay. Okay. Welcome to the Badass Broadcast. The podcast about badass broads. I'm Shalom. And I'm Carrie. And this is the podcast about badass broads. Okay. <laughs> we are total pros at this. <laughs> so obviously, I know everyone's so anxious to hear about how the surgery went. We missed last week because of me. Did, um, did you even mention that you were having surgery? I did. Because that was the news for that oh, week. I was so oh, excited. right, right, right. I, I had totally one forgot. week's notice to get my shit together. And uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. I, I'm i glad I only had one week because I, it didn't give me time to like overthink or like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was pretty nervous towards leading up to it because I was like, I don't know what to expect. And once you do it, you can't go back. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, in case you don't know, I had a breast reduction a week and a half ago. And so that's why we didn't post anything last week. But, yeah, it was um, interesting. An interesting experience. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, number one, going into it, I guess, because I had been, like, wanting it and waiting for it for, like, ten years. Um. Various things held me back, but, like, finally got it done. Um, and I, I talked to everyone who had it done, everyone who knew someone who had it done, and they'd always be like, oh, yeah, it was fine. Like, recovery's so easy. It was so, it was totally, like, nothing. And then um, my coworker, like, two days before the surgery, my coworker is like, yeah, yeah, like, my mom got it done when she was 70, and she was picking blueberries the next day. It'll be fine. And I was like, oh, okay. So I had this expectation of, like, oh, I'll be fine. So we did, like, a Mother's Day thing a few days later. We had planned it. And I was just like, I'm not fine. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it is taking way too long to recover. And I just, I don't know, there was just so many things that I... I didn't expect. I didn't see coming. So, um, but yeah, the surgery went well. The, uh, but first thing, <laughs> so they explained it all to me, like before I was going in and they're like, you're going to wake up in the OR. We're going to do a little check-in then you're going to fall back asleep. We'll take you into the recovery room. And then once you wake up and you're able to go to the washroom on your own, that's the only standard for like releasing you from the hospital. They're like, you'll be fine and you'll be, be able to go home. So I, and the the nurse, my nurse, my OR nurse was like, oh, you know, you know, it's cool. We have the same birthday. I'm like, oh, cool. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's actually true or if that's just her line that she tells all the patients. So they like, <laughs> like her and trust her or something. Totally fine with me if that's what it was because it, it put my mind at ease. And, uh-huh. uh, and, and then, so I, I get, I wake up in the OR and all I hear, first thing I hear is, breathe, 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 like breathe slowly, breathe, breathe deep, breathe deep. And it was the, uh, anesthesiologist. And he's like, your lungs have a tendency to collapse. And I, <laughs> I was just like, what things? Like the first thing I hear when I'm waking up from surgery, your lungs have a tendency to collapse. He said that like two or three times. And I was like, that's not what you say to someone like the second they that, wake up that, from that begs the question, how many times did they collapse? Yeah. When you were under. Because he was like frantic about it. Breathe, breathe deep, breathe deep. And I was like, okay. And then so I'm sitting there. So I like they were like, we'll just do a few minutes check in. But it ended up being like half an hour of him like breathe deep, breathe. <laughs> like so I'm like basically hyperventilating in the OR and like trying to fight off the effects of the drugs because all I want to do is fall asleep. But, like, I'm so exhausted. So then Hmm. I go to recovery, and it took me, I guess, a few hours longer than expected because every time I woke up, I was just, you know that feeling where you're just exhausted. There's no way you're getting up to go to the bathroom, even though you have to pee like crazy. That was it for me. I was just like, I... I can't even fathom getting up. So I slept for like three hours and they were like, yeah, recovery is usually like an hour and a half, two hours. And then you'll get, you'll leave. And I'm like, 
I slept for three hours straight. <laughs> but everyone's different. Yeah, everyone's different. And, and your body has to recover in the time that, that it has, right? So, yeah. Um, and because that was just a day surgery. Like, it's not like yeah. you had a room to go back to and spend the night. Yeah. Well, my, my GP, she was doing the pre-op exam, like, a couple weeks before. And she's like, so you... She's like, she was in shock. She's like, why does it say minor surgery? And I'm like, I, it's a minor surgery. It's a day surgery. I'll be out in a few hours. And she's like, that's a huge surgery. They're going to cut you up and like all these. I'm like, thanks. Thanks. But it <laughs> is though. It is. It is. There's a lot of, there's a lot of incisions. That's what it is. Like, yeah. If you're getting a breast enhancement, there's one little line under your boob. Um, but a breast reduction is a full on like rework of reconstruction basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really funny, but the recovery has been slower than expected and I'm really bad at sitting still and doing nothing. And I didn't even realize until I did like four days in, I went to see a nurse to get my drains removed and she's like, um, she was upset with me for a few things that I was doing wrong, apparently. But I'm like, no one told me to do these things. But she's like, you need to be a T-Rex for the first two weeks for minimum. And I'm like, oh, I no one told me that. Which means basically, like, I don't move my arms from my elbows up. Like, not allowed <laughs> to let my elbows leave my sides, basically. So I can, like, can't reach things, can't lift my arms up high. I'm like... No one told me that. So I've been trying to keep my arms down, but it's like, you know, like my boyfriend was like out of the house for a while. And then I'm like, I want to cook dinner, but all the pots are hanging up on the ceiling and I couldn't reach them. So I had to like try, you know, like I've been like, oh, but this is fine if I just do this. It's fine if I just do that. So it's not, I'm not being like perfect but I'm trying I'm trying really hard and then is I forget. it causing any pain or discomfort when you yes, do yes like so at first I thought oh I need to like I need to move my arms around to like get that movement back or whatever yeah and then I realized it like it actually hurts that side of the incision point so oh yeah um that's where one side hurts in one spot and now like driving down the street I feel every bump and every yeah. little bump on the road and and so I'm like holding my tits like this kind of driving <laughs> driving with one arm and the other arm across my chest just trying to keep it stable yeah it's it's still uncomfortable but I wouldn't say I'm in like a lot of pain just one side is like hurting and one one boob is a little more swollen than the other and so it sorry for the gory details oh that's okay that's what we're all about yeah here. yeah I figured you wouldn't care. You wouldn't care, but like, yeah. who knows if anyone else cares? Anyway, I'm I'm so glad I got it done. And the one thing that is the through line with everyone I've ever talked to who's had it done is they all say it was the best decision they've ever made. And I 100% agree. I can't wait to wear tank tops in the summer, like I'm wearing right now. But when I get this, like, I'm still wearing a surgical bra right now, so I have to wear that for another three weeks. Um, but yeah, like once I can like wear normal clothes now, you know. And you got in just under the line before they canceled <gasps> electives again. Literally like two hours after my surgery, uh, all, all the elective surgeries are canceled now because yeah. of COVID. So it was, I was expecting the call to be like end of June and then it came in one week and it was perfect timing. And so. Not only that, but now you have time to recover and fully heal before, like, summer fully hits. Yeah, yeah. So you can enjoy your summer. Yeah. Without being in recovery. I'm loving air conditioning right now. (laughs) It's so nice. Because I don't have air conditioning at my place, so it's nice to, like be recovering at my boyfriend's house. I don't either, but it's still, it's not quite the, it's been, it's been really warm the last few days, but even in my house, when you walk in, it feels markedly cooler yes than outside yeah Yeah. even without ac so well you don't have any like giant windows no glaring sun into your house so no my house is a cave (laughs) it's really not but (laughs) i mean i wish i had more windows but um so you've gone on some adventures 
Yes, because I have a serious, serious case of wanderlust. Yes, you do. And always, always but it's for... it's been so much worse since COVID hit last year. And now that it's in the second year, it's just getting worse. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I'm all I'm constantly trying to like go for drives and go down different roads, different highways, seeing things I've never seen, like even just around the city. But on Friday, I was at work, and I was like, where am I going to go this weekend? I have to go somewhere. And I was looking on the maps, like Google Maps, and uh, I saw, like, this little tiny body of water. I think I was just, like, following a highway or whatever. And I see this tiny little body of water, and I zoom in, and there's a, there's a provincial park there. Nice. I was like, I'm going to go there. Yeah. And I looked at some of the pictures and some of the reviews and everything, said it was a nice place. So I went there with a friend. And it was, it's less than an hour from the city. Mm-hmm. There's no cell service, mm. which I thought was weird that close to the city. And yeah. it's a very tiny little lake with a teeny tiny little beach. But it's a nice beach because it's, it's like right in the middle of these two great big lakes that have like really nice, uh, good quality sand. Mm-hmm. Um um, fine, soft sand, you know, because it's part of that same like original big, humongous lake that used to be in that area, right? So it's like right oh, smack okay. in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same stuff. It's clean. It's clear. Wait, You'll love it. Clear water. Clear. Oh my god, I have to like go. clean. Like I could yeah. actually like see the bottom. That's not normal because we have and, a lot of mud bottom yeah. lakes here, and I and um. Don't like them. It's it's not a very deep lake either. So it wasn't like even though it's still May, it was not um ice cold. It was cold. I didn't go actually swimming, yeah. but I was able to walk into it and like actually be somewhat comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, just spent a few hours there. It was beautiful. Like there's no there's nobody like watching like there's you can take your dogs there and uh yeah. right into the water. You can camp there. And it's super cheap, and it's just one of those self-registered ones where you just pay cash, nice. put it in the envelope. Um, five minutes after we get there, we see a bald eagle diving into the lake to nice. go fishing. And then a few times after that, a pair. There's a pair there. And then we drive down this little road off the boat launch to get yeah. out there at the end. We found the nest oh. up a tree and, and took a few pictures. Too far away, but like to see in the picture. But in actuality, I could see like the head of an eagle, like over the edge. Yeah. One of the parents was in there. That's cute. It was very cool. And then yesterday, I had to go for another drive. Yeah. So I ended up like just driving the other direction and ended up, I was looking for this little ghost town and I couldn't find it. Found out I had made a wrong turn somewhere. Yeah. But I still. Yeah, this was like, um, it's like maybe an hour south. Okay. Yeah. My receptionist at work told me about it. So I was trying to go there, but I turned right when I was supposed to go left. I feel like there's a handful of places in Manitoba that are definitely going to be just like oversaturated with tourists this year and like campgrounds and everything. Yeah. Which is exactly what you don't want. But yeah. at the same time, um, that's what I'm trying to find. Just trying to get out of the house, right? Yeah. So, I think, yeah, but like so the thing with this park, these little things that are like secret yeah, little yeah. Corners, because the pockets. thing with this park is you can't pre-book it. It's not on the website, yeah. on the park's website to book a campsite there. Okay. So I think for the most part, people are going to be looking online for a place to like book yeah, campsites. That's so true. And if this is a place that's mostly just known by locals, yeah, you might have a chance because there were people camping this weekend. There were empty sites. Yeah. But camping season hasn't officially begun, so I might try in a couple weeks and see if I can go out there on a Friday. If there's an empty spot, I'll take it for the weekend. That'd be fun. And, um, yeah, so you'll have to come out there at some point. Yeah, for sure. And uh, maybe that will be our new beach for the summer, if the big lakes are still, like, filthy, dirty, and gross and disgusting, like last year. Or, like, the nice ones are always, like, just a couple hours east, which is just too far sometimes if you just want to go and on a Sunday crowded. afternoon and super crowded but yeah. still like beautiful and you could see to the bottom and it's like rock yeah. bottom lakes and yeah but like I think that, but. I think um this might be my my beach for the summer <laughs> so don't tell us the name of it then. no I won't okay. no it's a secret <laughs> okay anyway it's your so, turn this week 
Yes. So we're going to get into it. We're changing. I'm changing things up a little bit this week. No, Norm- normally. You <laughs> You're not allowed. Too bad. Too late. <laughs> if that's the case, we don't have a story. It's our, it's our podcast. We can um, do what we want. Exactly. Okay. So we are, uh, I'm not going to talk about like a single woman or like, you know, someone who's like accomplished all these great things in her life. Yeah. So what we're going to talk about is a group of women who never got the chance. Okay. To uh, make something of themselves or make something of their lives. Um, Yeah. So um, this is probably the case like across the board in like Canada and the U.S. But being from Canada, um, we hear a lot about missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. Um. If you ever see M-M-I-W-G, that's what that is. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's problem. They're overrepresented in the um, missing category and the murder victim category. Um, it's, it's a tragedy, like women and girls in general, but yeah. particularly um, indigenous uh, women and girls. And so... Um, I'm going to highlight like one specific area where this is a um this has been an ongoing issue for the last several decades yeah. and that is the Highway of Tears. Okay. I'm Which, familiar. I don't know everything I know of a couple serial killers that were kind of like suspected of around us. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, we'll get into that. So, um basically the Highway of Tears um, as it's defined specifically is, it's about a 700 kilometer stretch between Prince George, BC, which is in the center of the province and Prince Rupert, which is on the coast. Okay. And it's that last little stretch of, uh, what's called the, uh, the Yellowhead route, which is a portion of the Trans-Canada Highway. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> but the, uh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, that is what's called the Highway of Tears. If you see pictures of it, um, you'll see big signs like girls don't hitchhike. You know, Mm -hmm. it's dangerous. Um, There is a lot of hitchhiking down that stretch because you have you have several smaller communities between Prince Rupert and Prince George. People perhaps have to work in one town, but they live in another kind of thing. Like it's it's uh, Prince George is like the largest city in northern B.C. Okay. Um, but then you've got you've got Smithers, and then you've got Prince Rupert is rather small. And then there's smaller ones along the way. There's Indigenous communities. There's First Nations communities bordering the highway. Um, and if anybody has to travel from one town to another, if you, especially if you are, um, you don't have a whole lot of money. These people yeah. in these small towns, it's not like a thriving, gigantic metropolis, right? Yeah. Um, if you don't have a vehicle or if nobody in your family has a vehicle, but you have to go, say, to work or to school or whatever, um, without adequate public transportation, your only option is to hitchhike. Yeah. And they still do it to this day. Oh. Um, because they have no other choice. Yeah. Um, you hear hitchhiking, you think 70s, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it used to be just a normal thing. Like, yeah. I remember as a child, our dad would pick up the odd hitchhiker and um, that was just, I mean, he was just being a nice guy, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, as a girl, that's so highly dangerous, and especially on that highway, like, when you know the history of that highway, that stretch of highway, it's so bad. It's so dangerous. Yeah. And Have yet, you driven down there? No. Okay. And you know me. I would like to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I drove down a, a highway... Um, highway number six, which is between Williams Lake and Bella Coola, which is yeah. several hours south. But it's a similar stretch. Mm-hmm. It's long. It's winding. It's remote. Um, small communities, few and far between. Yeah. And I can just imagine that Highway 16 is probably similar, maybe a little bit more of a, maybe a bit busier. Yeah. But because uh, I think the communities are mm-hmm. larger than on the highway that I drove down. But yeah. I can just see if somebody was hitchhiking there, like somebody's going to pick you up. You know, nobody's going to You have no see. witnesses. There's no 
surveillance cameras or whatever. Yeah, because yeah. you, you, you would have yeah. like several minutes before, at least before another vehicle is going to come down the road. Yeah. Um, Can we just like um, reiterate that we need to change the narrative? And I know you're on board with this. I'm just saying like for the sake of saying that we've heard our entire lives, women need to change their behavior or women need to change their method of whatever or their clothing or whatever. But the onus is not on women to have to take care of ourselves. Yeah. The onus is on men to just stop fucking raping women or attacking women in any way. Like, that's where yeah. I think I see it kind of coming up and creeping up where, like, the narrative is starting to sort of change direction, but obviously not fast enough and not soon enough. But yeah. um, hopefully, you know, in a generation's time, we'll see a difference in the narrative and in, like, men taking responsibility for their own shortcomings and their own gender uh like holding each other accountable and yeah stuff like that, so. yeah yeah but obviously obviously it's not like what you were trying to say it, it's just i'm just saying yeah no no then no i get it, it i get it um so it, this whole situation down that highway began in 1969 um okay with so i'm gonna list i'm gonna go through um a partial list. I'm going to go through, like, the official RCMP list. Okay. Can I ask how many? Um, officially, the RCMP is investigating 18. But projected to be... But the... Um, now, this is... Okay, I'll get into that. But okay. um, there is a task force um, called... Uh, I guess shorthand known as EPANA. Okay. Um, e for the E Division of Criminal Operations. PANA is an Inu- Inuit word for the spirit goddess that looks after souls right before they go to heaven or are reincarnated. Okay. So the investigators that started this task force panel, whatever, decided to use that name. Um, it began in 2005. But the task force, the task force, but these this has been happening since 1969. Okay. So, some of the controversy around EPANA, <clears throat> I might be going a little all over the place, but that's okay. Um, it, it began in 2005, and and there's um, so some suspicions, especially in the um, indigenous communities, that it only started in 2005 based on this outcry of um, for justice with regards to a uh, white girl that went missing in 2002. Okay. They didn't start it in the 70s. Oh, 100%. Or the 80s. That's 100%. And there, there were a couple of white girls who went missing prior, but the vast majority of these women yeah. are indigenous. Yeah, we see this across the board, is that yeah. if, if someone goes missing or dies, I I heard about it just like a few weeks ago that there were a couple women who went missing for a few days and then their bodies turned up. And no nowhere on the news did I hear about it. Nowhere other than like one person's, local person's private like TikTok account. Yeah. But, and then I dug into it and found the answers. But like it, there were no news articles, no not a minute was dedicated to these women on the local news but that's like that's what we're used to here is like if you're white and sweet and cute you get all the media attention yeah it's just like it has to change but that's what it's it's just it's just wrong yeah so it it began um with only nine cases that were specifically um covering that span of highway between prince george and prince rupert in 2007, they expanded it, the territory covered um, under the, this umbrella to include um, highways, still Highway 16, but up to Hinton, Alberta. So okay. kind of expanded the territory. And then parts of Highway 97 and Highway 5, which sort of go off Highway 16. And I've driven down Highway 97. Okay. Um so that brought their total number of cases under their purview to 18. 
So not <laughs> all of not all yeah. of these cases that are considered highway of tears cases occur in that specific stretch. Some of them okay. are slightly outside of it. Yeah. Yeah. But still, that's still that same area. Um, as of 2016, like on the RCMP website, the latest update was 2016. There were 50 investigators and support staff dedicated to this. Okay. Now, I don't know if that's been changed in the last few years, you know, budget yeah. issues and whatever. You know how that happens. Um, so, yeah, some speculate that it was a response to the disappearance of a white girl named Nicole Hoare in 2002 that finally spurred the RCMP to take action. Um, they only formally recognized these 18 as officially Highway of Tears cases, um, but the the uh, indigenous communities speculate that like there are 40 plus. I even saw somewhere um, uh, 70. So okay, yeah, a, a whole lot more than yeah. what the RCMP is acknowledging. Um. There are some PIs that have dedicated time to working on this investigation, specifically one uh, former RCMP investigator named Ray Michalko. He would go there on his own time, talk to the families, do his own. I've definitely heard his name. Yeah, like do his own investigations Mm -hmm. and then like hand over information and stuff to the RCMP. Um, But uh, so we'll we'll just kind of go through the the list. It's a very sad list, but um, we'll go through. Um, I'm going to, I've sort of broken it down into categories, missing, found, um, and solved. Okay. Uh, The solved list is way too short. Yes. So um, missing, we have, and it's sort of like in, Random order of date. It's kind of it's kind of in order, but not really. So uh, Shelly Ann Bas- Baskew, I think she disappeared from Hinton, Alberta, um, May third, nineteen eighty three. Um, still has not been found. She was sixteen years old. Oh my god. Uh, Delphine Nicol or Nickel, I'm not sure. June fourteenth, nineteen ninety, hitchhiking. It. On, we're talking a stretch. A 15 kilometers, she was going from yeah. Smithers to her home and in Telqua, and she was also 16. So in that 15-kilometer stretch, she oh went missing, God. never found again. Lana Derrick, last seen near Terrace in um, October 7th, 95. Traveling east, it didn't specify hitchhiking, but I presume hitchhiking. Yeah. She was 19. Nicole Hoare, she was from Alberta, tree planting near Prince George. Hitchhiking to Smithers, um, June 21st, 02. She was 25. Oh, my God. Tamara Chipman, September 21st, 05. Uh, hitchhiking to Prince Rupert, 22 years old. Those are the ones that are missing on the official list. Okay. Uh, the ones that have been found, murdered, but not solved. This is the longest list. On here. Gloria Moody, age 27, mother of two, leaving a bar in Williams Lake. So that would be along Highway 97. Uh, she went missing in uh, October 25th, 1969. So her, her case is the one to kind of start this whole thing off. Um, her body was found the next day. Um, Michelin Paré, I think it is, uh, July 1970. Uh, she was found in August. She was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Gail, Gail Wise, or Waze, October 1973. She went missing. She was found in April 1974. She was hitchhiking at the time. She was 19. Pamela Darlington um, went missing from Kamloops in November 1973. She was also 19. They're so young. And both of these two, Gail and Pamela, were, they're suspected to may maybe have been victims of Bobby Jack Fowler. Okay. But they haven't been able to um, verify that. So it was just the two of them? Um, n- no, there's one more who's on a different list here. Hold on. We'll get there. Okay. Um, Monica Ignace. She's walking along Highway 16 near Terrace 
in December of 1974. She was found uh, a few months later. She was 15. Okay, wow. Maureen Mosey, she was hitchhiking near Salmon Arm, which we've been there. Yeah. That's a beautiful little town. Gorgeous. But May 1981, she was 33. Yeah. Alberta Wilson, um, August 1989, she was found near Prince Rupert. She was 24. And if you uh, want to hear an in-depth story on one of these cases, listen to the podcast, Who Killed Alberta Williams? Okay. It's a CBC podcast. Um, I want to say there's like eight parts to it. It's very good. CBC okay. does really good crime podcasts. Yes, they do. It's like CBC and The Australian are two of my yeah. favorite podcast creators. They're so good. Uh, yeah. So listen to that one. That will that will give you a lot of um, info. Like it's, it's best specifically centers around the case of Alberta Williams. Yeah. But it will kind of give you an idea of the okay. whole Picture. umbrella of the Highway of Tears. Um, Ramona Wilson went missing June 11th, 1994. She was hitchhiking. Found April 1995 in Smithers. She was 16. Roxanne Thiara, November 1994 in Prince George. She went missing. Found near Burns Lake. She was 15. Alicia Germain, Prince, missing from Prince George. Found December 9th, 1994. She was 15. Ayla Sarek Auger um, went missing from Prince George. Last seen February 2nd, 06. Found February 10th. So just a few days later in a ditch east of Prince George. 14. Oh, my God. That's not even the youngest one. Oh, my God. Um, solved cases. Way too short. Colleen McMillan uh, from 1974. Uh, um she went missing in August of 1974 from Lac La Um, Also hitchhiking. She was found in September. So about a month later. She was 16. She was linked to Bobby Jack Fowler by DNA in 2012. Okay. He had died in 2006. So he was never Ugh. brought to justice. Yeah. I think he was in prison when he died, but for something else, obviously. Yeah. So he, he never had to face anything to do with Colleen or Gail yeah, or Pamela. Yeah. Um, Monica Jack. She went missing in May 1978. She was 12 years old, riding her bike near Merritt, B.C. Old. I think she was with a friend or a cousin or a brother or something like that. And he went to go and get something or yeah. something like that. He went to really quick to go and grab something. Came back and she was gone. Oh, my God. And um, they didn't find her until 1996. Wow. And um, this is the only one on the official list that has actually been convicted for this crime. Okay. And it wasn't until 2019. Gary Taylor Handlin, convicted in January 2019 of first-degree murder. So he's now in prison for that, but he's the only one who has been actually convicted for any one of these cases 16 years of a task force really yeah yeah i mean so 1978 to 2019 like that's 41 years after it happened almost 41 years yeah it's ridiculous that's insane so some of the suspects like i already said um uh bobby jack fowler gary taylor handlin um there was another one uh, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Cody Legibikoff. No. So he was convicted in 2014 of killing three women and one girl near Prince George okay. in 20, 2009-2010. None of these girls are on the official list. Although one of them, uh, Lauren Don Leslie, she was 15. The article that I read said that she was officially on the list, but she's not on the actual RCMP website list. Okay. So I don't know where this person got that information from. Yeah. But, um, I mean, either way, all four of his victims were from around Prince George. He was 20 years old when he was arrested. He's 31 now. Um, Oh, my God. 
So his victims were Lauren Don Lessie, she was 15, Jill Stacy Stuchenko, 35, Cynthia Mass, 35, Natasha Montgomery, 25, was never found. But her DNA was found at his apartment and on an axe that he possessed. Oh, my God. He was, I keep going back to this, he was 20. Yeah. With four victims, four completely separate victims. Yeah. Was it a killing spree or was No. It's like. What? No, it was like serial, serial. like the youngest serial killer That's in Canada's so history. Um, and he was, I think he was one of those ones that was just caught in like a traffic yeah. stop. Like just <sighs> like, um, can you imagine if they didn't catch him now at 11 no. years later? That's so how many more victims he would have had. And of course, everybody's like, oh, he was just a normal happy kid growing up and yeah. he was so helpful and all this stuff. Yeah. You don't know what was going on. You look at pictures of him. Like his eyes are just like dead. Oh my God. It's just crazy. So, um, but you never, but like we always kind of like mock people who say that about people they know, but honestly, like, would you want to say that? Would you ever, have you ever asked that about any of your friends or anyone, you know, have you ever no, thought no, that? That's true. Or even, like, would you be open to thinking that about someone? No. Like, you want to see the best in the people, especially the people you surround yourself with. So if yeah. it's, like, a friend or someone in your life, you go, like, okay, I'm going to focus on the good things that they do. I'm not going to focus on the deadness behind their eyes. Or, like, you know, the odd little, or like, the, the occasional little odd mannerism or something like or that. quip that they say. Yeah. I mean, it's only clear in hindsight. Yeah, or if you're, like, super messed up and you're, like, looking for serial killers at every corner, you know? And, I mean, how many people, how many, like, how many people actually have somebody like that in their life? Like, we we hear, we listen to a lot of true crime stories. Us, we do. So we know that there are crazy, weird people out there. But it, it, but I think we we listen to such a concentration of it that we think that there are way more than there actually are. No, but I think there are because it's like, what do they say? Like you're gonna walk by what is it like thirty serial or murderers? Period, murderers at some point in your life. Thirty. Like you're gonna encounter that many people who've wow. killed someone, and you're not gonna like suspect your friends. Or your no, loved ones. No, that's true. I've said that about one of my friends. And, and one of my friends just, like, freaked out. They're like, you can't say that about them. But he was like, <laughs> he was like, no, like, like, we were very, very close friends. But I was like, before I got to know him, I was like, he kind of reminds me of Ted Bundy. He could totally be a serial killer because he's so charming and put together and such a beautiful person always smiling ear to ear but then when I actually got to know him he like he did share openly about his problems and stuff like that he was not a sociopath absolutely not (laughs) but he was very much an empathetic human being but but your mind goes there yeah of course and so I said that openly about him and my friend was like you can't say that about someone I'm like, well, but that's the thing. You can't say that. That's about true, anyone. though. Like you, you kind of, you kind of put that filter on yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. When you're thinking about your friends, your loved ones, your family members. Otherwise, like, what kind of life are you walking around living? Uh, yeah, like, um, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's something wrong with you if you go around suspecting everybody around yeah. you of being a murderer, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, like you look at him now, and you can see, like, unless unless they are somebody who has like an actual like violence in their everyday life. Yeah. Like they're abusive or they're just yeah. like crazy and they're known or to the obvious to, signs of like killing animals, yeah. torturing animals. Yeah. And like some yeah. some people are really, really good at hiding those tendencies. And yeah. like he obviously hid it enough until he came to adulthood. Mm-hmm. And then he just like, eh, whatever. Got mm-hmm. tired of hiding it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You like, I'm a grown-up. I can do whatever I want now. Yeah. And I want to kill women. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a great, like... <coughs> Sorry, I just sighed, Sorry. but that was like... Um... That was appropriate. Okay. That was an appropriate sigh? That one's yeah. allowed? 
So, uh, like I said, a lot of the uh, indigenous communities around there um, estimate that the numbers are much, much higher. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that um, bugs a lot of people who are um, related to these victims or who are just like in this Mm -hmm. situation, um, that the, a lot of the victims are said to have been like, uh, engaging in high risk lifestyles like the hitchhiking. Okay. Yes. You are hitchhiking. You are putting yourself in danger. Yeah. But again, like I said, if there's no other option, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. And, uh, and, or, you know, drugs, prostitution, of course, like that's the whole thing. Like, they were engaged yes. in these activities and and so uh, and a lot of people who are like their family their loved ones kind of contest that notion that they're all they're all prostitutes yeah. all the ones that go missing are all prostitutes but like you always hear that it's on the men it's not on like the, that doesn't mean that you have the right to all why kill does me. it even factor into the description no. of the victim yeah it's a job and it's not a job that young girls wish to be when they're older. It's yeah. made, it's a decision made out of, if it's a decision at all, it's a decision made out of desperation and hard times. It's generally not something that someone strives to be. And I, I understand. And define the person as a person, as a no, human. No, I understand that it does contribute to a, you, you are in a higher risk for something like this to happen to you. You are being put or putting yourself into a vulnerable situation. Yes, I get that. But that doesn't need to factor into the cop's job. The um, v- vigorousness, the vigor that gets put into the investigation. Exactly. And I mean, full disclosure, I was a sex worker. You know that. I'm yes. really open about my past. Um, at one point in my life, I was a sex worker for about a year and it was my fear every day whenever I did go out was to was that my mom would get that phone call. You know, I would just that would go through my mind every single time is like, I'm going to end up in a ditch today. Today's the day. Like, who knows? Who yeah. knows? And there's there's nice guys and there's mean guys. And you know what? The nice guys are still as bad as the mean guys once the doors are closed. Like it's yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. It it didn't make me less valuable person. It was a time in my life that I was desperate and needed money and could not find a a regular job, quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a scary and devastating thing. And I'm sure that those women were feeling that same fear every single day if they if they were engaging in sex work and. Not to say that yeah. all of them were, but... No, yeah. Let's just what... That's the rhetoric that you always yeah. hear in these yeah. kind of cases. That's the narrative that Like, the, you know, Robert Picton, the pig farmer guy, you know, like all his victims were supposed... I mean, I think he did purposely target... Yes. ...sex workers because... I listened to that... Because they... podcast recently about that. Because... So detailed. He knew that they would not be taken seriously. Yeah. And that's how he got away with murdering over 40 women. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, I listened to Morbid. They did th- a three-parter on that, on Willie Picton. Uh-huh. I guess that's what people called him. Yeah. Um, and he, that that series, I've never been so grossed out. Like, you know, you're really grossed out by serial killers and everything that they do. That one person... I could not listen to every episode. I had could maybe make it through half an episode at a time without like being completely disgusted, losing my appetite kind of. I just like could not make it through all three all together in succession. I had to take breaks frequently. I listened to one. And I never one, have to. I can't, I can't remember which one it was, but it was <clears throat> I think it was multiple parts too. I can't remember which one it was, but it was about him too. That was a while ago though. Um, uh, anyway, yes. So there have been other victims. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go, I don't have a huge exhaustive list of them, but I will highlight a couple of cases. Um, Mm -hmm. 
One of them, this one's really sad. Um, August 8th, 1989, uh, an entire family. So Doreen and Ronnie Jack, I don't think there's any relation to the other, the Monica Jack uh, victim, but they left. uh, Ronnie was offered a temporary job at a ranch or logging camp by some guy that he met in a bar. So he goes home to his wife, Doreen. And they pack up and because uh, they think they're going to be gone for a couple of weeks at this job. And them, along with their two sons, Russell, no. age nine, Ryan, age four. Oh, my God. Um, the last contact that they had with anybody, Ronnie called his mom at like one thirty in the morning from a payphone somewhere along the way yeah. saying that they would be back in two weeks, that he had gotten a job. And uh, they were never seen again. Oh, my God. That's a whole family. And it kind of is a little bit reminiscent of the McStay family. Yeah. You know that one from California? Yeah. With the parents and the two little boys. And they just, yeah. I remember, like, seeing that story, like, when they were just missing and then they found them. And then now the the guy's been, like, convicted and everything. Yeah. It was on the guy's property or his wife's property or something like that. No, it was out. It, it was out in the. Uh, it was just out in the woods somewhere. But it was yeah, like but his it was business on property. Someone's actual property. Oh, was it? Oh, it I was like in part. in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there is Madison Scott, uh, who disappeared May twenty seventh, two thousand eleven. That um, sounds familiar to me. Uh, she, from Van- Vanderhoof, BC. She she went. Okay, so she went to a party at a lake. With some friends. She had her camping gear there. Um, she went with a friend. Her friend decided to go home um, at the end of the party with her boyfriend or something like that. And uh, Madison wanted to stay there and camp overnight. And she would be back home the next day. So um, the next day she didn't come home. They went to the campsite and her truck was there. Her tent was there. All of her stuff was oh there. Um, but she was gone. That is no like trace my of biggest her. nightmare. And... And obviously, like, you're at a party. Obviously, there's going to be drinking. Yeah. So don't know everybody that's there. It's the middle of the night. Like, who knows who was left with her at the end of the night? Just yeah. her and some random guys. Oh, God. And they get some great idea. They're going to have fun with this girl. Like, who knows? In a drunken stupor, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe like, it was intention. Maybe yeah. they stayed purposely. Maybe they are like, oh, she's going to stay the night. Let's. You know, yeah. hang out until everybody else is gone and then have a little bit of fun with her. Who knows? Maybe things just went awry and yeah, who knows? That's but um, uh, that's another one that's had a lot of um, press coverage, again, because she's an innocent little white girl. Yeah. I mean, he- I mean, I really, really hope that that's not the reason why she's gotten a lot more press coverage than most of these other girls. Uh. I really, really hope that that's not the case. Give it more credit. <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, it begs the question, right? Yeah. That's devastating. So. We have a, a close relative who's Native, and it it breaks my heart to think. And I don't know, I don't pretend to know what it's like to live as a Native person day to day. I mean, I, I know that they go through so much more than us, so much more hatred, so much more, you know, just just based on their skin, just based on their heritage. And that yeah. should never happen. And it devastates me to think yeah. about what she has gone through, what she does go through on a regular basis and what could very well. Or her girls. Yeah. I mean, Oh God. Yeah. That's just for being yeah. who you are. Yeah. Yeah. As you're born. So, Yeah. Like I said, this is just a little bit of a highlight. Oh, and also, um, in order to mitigate the risk of traveling along this highway, finally, finally, in 2017, okay, BC Transport puts a uh, bus route together for this stretch. But, if, like, I think there was, like, three buses or something like that. And I watched a little news story about when they first started it and yeah. it was just kind of like an experimental thing. And so they were talking to some of the people who were riding the bus and and they were talking about how 
like some of them were saying how like their families didn't really didn't want them to be hitchhiking and they were really really glad that this bus is now in place and it's only five bucks to ride the bus like from like one town to the next which is really cheap yeah and um but it's literally just along the highway i assume just like straight shot no like well, not like around it, town. No, like it would have. I think would just have stops like at each town. Yeah, yeah. which is fine. Like the, yeah, you can, that, once you're in your town, that you can walk. Yeah, protects you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and then that was just kind of like getting it started. I don't know where they are because that was a few years ago. I don't know where they are now. Like as far as yeah. adding more buses or like expanding the hours or anything like that. Huh. Um. Because honestly, like those bus, that bus route, like they should have them going 24-7, even if it's just like one bus at nighttime. Yeah. Or a couple. Yeah, you know, just, just do a circuit. Do a circuit. Like you do in the buses, city. Yeah. Like Absolutely. even if, like the smaller buses, like that's what, what they had, like a kind of yeah. a, like what we, what we have here, like the handy transit buses, just those smaller ones. Or the ones that go into like the smaller communities, they have the, those yeah. smaller buses. Yeah. Heck, you could even just use a van. Yeah. <laughs> you could even have like uh It's a little creepier, but <laughs> No, but at nighttime if you have like say say a a minivan. Yeah. Even if it was it's kind of like handy transit where you call yeah. ahead of time, make arrangements or whatever so that you you know that there is going to be a safe ride for you. You can't yeah. pay whatever it's going to cost to take a cab. 5 bucks will get yeah. you home from one town along this dangerous stretch of highway. Yeah. To your home where you're safe. Um, but then, like, after that started, then Greyhound discontinued their service along that stretch of highway. So then well, even that was Canada, gone. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, all of Canada now. Oh, okay. But, um, but then even that option was gone. And obviously those tickets would have been more expensive, but it was at least another option. So I don't know where their yeah. transit situation is at right now. But, of course, I mean, me being me, I wanted to drive out there and just drive. And then then I was watching, like, a YouTube video. I didn't watch the whole thing, but uh, this woman who is a solo female van dweller was driving along this highway. I think she was American because she didn't know anything about it. And she's just like... I keep seeing, I'm just driving down this highway and I keep seeing these signs about oh how it's God. dangerous and, and, and you're not supposed to hitchhike and I don't know what's going on here. And there was this creepy guy, she was parked on the side of the road and there was this creepy guy just staring at her van and asking her all kinds of questions and, oh my God. and everybody in the comments Girl, like, run. Girl, get out Drive. of here. You don't, don't wait until he talks to you. Just leave. Like you shouldn't be there anyway. Yeah. It's like, don't you know where you are kind of thing. And Even like if she, you don't know where you are, like, like she, that is common sense. She had no idea where she was. Wow, and she was, yeah. Like, just, which makes you even more vulnerable. Yeah. Because if, if it was me, I would just be like, it's straight, straight stretch from one city to the next. Yeah. Don't stop. You know, like, I, I know what, what goes on here, yeah. so. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway. Dad would stop for hitchhikers all the time. And even he, with kids in the car. So he had... A big work van, always. It varied in color, but there were there were times when it was white, which is you know, the reputation of a white work van is. is yeah, and and if it van. had windows in but it, they would be blocked up with all of his equipment they, and his shelving and the inside. It, all his customized yeah. gear inside. So, um, I remember one time we were driving because our extended family lives out in the country. So we were driving from there to Winnipeg and we stopped, me and him, and it was just the two of us. And we stopped and there was a lady on the side of the road. And so she got in the front seat and I sat on like a toolbox in the middle between the two because <laughs> it's a two seater. And uh, and we went and got her, drove her to a gas station and got her gas. And then I think back to it now and I'm like, the amount of stories you hear of like people thinking like, oh, it's safe because there's a child in the car yeah. or it's safe because there's a woman in the car or there's a child's seat in the car. Like this person's yeah. fine. And and then they get murdered by that person. I it's mean, like in the case so of sketchy. But our dad was literally like the kindest teddy in, bear. Yeah. Of a man. In the case of our father, that would have been correct assumption. Yes. Yes. 
But not always. No. And I remember him telling us this story when he got home one day because he was driving from out, out in the country somewhere to home. And we live like on the opposite side of the city, like right on the end of the city. So he and the uh, like the main road goes through like half of the city um, before it like breaks up. And he was driving his big creepy white work van and he noticed this car full of girls on like one end of the city and then he he just noticed them at a light just whatever glanced over and then he realized what by the time he hit downtown they're still kind of like driving almost next to each other and when they're downtown these girls start like looking over and being like pointing to him and being like talking and freaking out and he's like oh obviously they're scared of me because I'm driving this big white van and he was like aware (laughs) of this and so then as they like drove they ended up driving along basically all the way across the city together but he's like I turned off to a side street to like take longer and like go a different route to like just to like be like no I'm 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 okay like I'm not following you I don't want you to freak out and then like he'd get back on the main road and they'd be there at the light and they'd be like, oh my God, he's back. And they'd be like, and he's like, I could see that they're freaking out. So he did that a couple of times, like drifted off the main road and like came back and they'd be there. And he'd be like, oh my God, I'm just trying to get home. I'm exhausted. It's the end of the day. I just want to get home. And I remember him coming home and being like, you'll never believe what happened. But it was like all the way into our suburban neighborhood. From across the city, like a 40-minute drive or whatever it was, 50-minute drive. Oh, my goodness. It was so funny. <laughs> We're like, yeah, Dad, you should have just taken the highway around the city. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah, but once you're so in, funny. it's like it's yeah, hard to get yeah. back. <laughs> you should have been like, it's okay, guys. It's okay. I, it's okay. I'm trying to shake you. I'm trying to get rid of you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that Did is I- the... Yeah. The very, very sad story, or at least a snippet, a synopsis, if you will, of um, the, highway, the of highway of Tears. But yeah, definitely listen to that podcast. Yeah, I will. About Alberta Williams. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's devastating because uh, every woman is a badass broad in the yeah. making, wherever you are. In that uh, spectrum. And, you know, some of these, like, um, they they were in their own, in their own um, way. I mean, just trying to make it in life. Yeah, just trying to have Just trying to, like. A lot of them were, like, just young teenagers, but some of them were, like, young women trying to go to work or trying to make something better of their lives, you know. Um, Even the ones who were struggling. Yeah, just. Going, having fun, relaxing from, you know, their, their, you know, probably, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Manual labor type job. I know there was like, I think it was Alberta Williams. Maybe it was a different one. She was, she, you know, she worked at Alberta Wilson. Yeah, that's what it is. No, Ramona Wilson is one of them. Alberta Williams. Sorry if I missed that up before. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think she, she just, she worked at a cannery. She wanted to let loose. She went to a bar to have some fun and then she was going to go to a party and her sister was there and yeah. And, And uh, she turned around for two seconds and then looked back and her sister was gone and never saw her again. And, you know, like, again, like we hear that narrative of like, well, what was she doing at the party? She was just a a party girl or she she was just a bar girl so like she's just fucking up her own life she she put herself in that situation and it's like well what do you expect a woman to do just sit at home and knit all the time and then what she's happens like, she pokes herself in the finger with a or she pokes her eye out with a knitting needle and then oh well it's her fault why why wasn't she out of the house why was she <laughs> you know what i mean it's always going to be a, the blame game and she was 24 when you're 24 that's what you're supposed to be doing is going out and socializing and and expanding your friend and then, group and like yeah and it doesn't mean that you're not doing anything with your life it doesn't mean you're not a she was working member. hard it was the weekend yeah she was hanging out with her friends 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's just the exact um, type of situation that these predators look for is the bar or walking along the highway alone. Yeah, any or kind of vulnerability. Yeah. Any kind of vulnerability. They just, that's, yeah. that's what they're good at. That's what they do. Therefore, we need to become better at, yeah. you know, catching those moments. And Yes. That sucks. But stamp... Anyway, we'll give them an honorary stamp. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Kara. That was great. You're welcome. I didn't like to change it up once in a while. Yeah. That's good. Otherwise, we'll get boring. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Us boring? And also, we love true crime, so we have to bring a little bit of an element (laughs) of that because this isn't necessarily a true crime podcast, but. but of course we're going to If gonna, we have a chance yeah. to share a story we will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true cuz those are like the bulk of the podcasts I listen to are true. Oh, me too. And then and then it's like it just kind of bleeds into this one, of course. Inevitably. Yes, of course. <gasps> That's good. I'm sure we will have more more like this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Bye. All right. All right. Well, if you enjoyed that story or any other, um, please hit subscribe, rate and review. Only if you're going to rate five star. Remember, that's the rule. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, and find us on Instagram where we post weekly photos pertaining to the episode. So at the badass broadcast. And as always, see you next Thursday. See you next Thursday. Bye.